James is an amazing basketball player. I think he has the antics, he generates fouls, he does a lot of stuff that people dislike about the game, but they're still forgetting the fact that he's an amazing basketball player. He has a unique skill set and amazing ability to not only score for himself, but make players better around him. There's a lot that goes through your mind as you're driving. You're thinking score first, and then you're thinking if he steps up, do I throw the lob or do I throw the rotation pass? But then the, the hard part for a lot of righties is driving left and throwing left. As the saying goes, you put the reps in, you put the time in, it becomes extremely easy at one point or another. If you do something for 10,000 hours, you're for sure going to get good at it at some point. How good is just up to your skill level. When you know you've worked towards something, mentally you feel more comfortable doing it, the muscle memory is there, and you just have confidence. Welcome to the Mike Dicka episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 89. Happy holidays to everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic, fantastic holiday. Whether you believe in Christmas or not, I hope you're enjoying time with family. And I hope you're enjoying time with friends and looking forward to a beautiful and happy new year. Since it's Christmas, it's only right that we highlight Christmas games, Jordan. Who are you looking forward to watching most on this Christmas? Oh, I'm, I'm into all of them. I, I'm a big Christmas Day consumer, but I'll go Lakers Clippers. Um, because for well, the obvious reasons, uh, excited to see LeBron and, and um, AD versus PG and Kawhi, uh, excited to see uh, which Laker fans, uh, you know, it's like what star-studded Laker fans will be uh, at Staples. That's always like entertainment in itself. And I really want to see like, you know, it, are the Lakers as deep as, as we think? Because I've been really impressed with the fact that they've been able to roll out eight, nine guys every night. Um, I thought going into the season that, the Clippers would be the, the much deeper team. Uh, obviously, we know that they have nine guys playing about 20 minutes. And um, I've been just absolutely in awe of the fact that LeBron has been able to sustain this level uh, on both ends of the floor, especially defensively, where um, we know that from a, t from a statistical standpoint, the last few years he hasn't been as, as sound in the regular season. Um, but seeing him, and do, seeing him at this level and then also seeing the Lakers at this level has been really cool. And then, you know, the, the fact that you have PG finally getting, uh, you know, his normal minutes is really exciting. So that, that would be the game. For no, me. I think you're right. I think the best game of the night to watch is definitely the Lakers Clippers more so because of the time, not just the teams that are playing, but you get up, you do the presence, you spend time with family, you eat, you sleep, you wake up again. And the next thing you know, it's 5 Pacific time, a.k.a. 8 Eastern time, and the game of the day is on. And you get to see LeBron James in his 13, what, 14th consecutive Christmas game. You know he puts on a show on Christmas every year. You know he's got fire colorways he's going to play in. You know PG is going to have fire colorways he's playing in. You know Kawhi is going to be Kawhi, Ding up, having fun, dunking without smiling, knocking down big shots. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I think the other game that I'm looking forward to watching is the Bucks at Sixers. I think this Sixers team has a lot to prove. Obviously, Embiid has been dominant historically, not only against the Bucks, but against all NBA teams. And Charles Barkley and those guys have really talked to him about how he has to play going forward, how dominant he needs to be on both ends. And I think he's taken that to heart. And I think the other aspect that is very important to watch is Giannis. Giannis on a Christmas game. 
a guy who's averaging 43 points a game against the Sixers. He gets buckets, he dunks, he's angry. He'll have Christmas colorways as well to break out. And I think it's just a great time to see people's shoes, to see people play well on the big stage during the holiday season. So I would definitely say I'm looking forward to to those games. Um, the Celtics game's a little early, so it'll be hard for us on the West Coast to, to see that game. 9 a.m. on Christmas, I'll probably be sleeping, so I'll miss the start of that. But it'll be cool to see Kemba go at it, Kyle Lowry. You got all those different players, Tatum, Brown. I don't know if Van Fleet will be back or not, but there's a lot of talent um, to be seen. And I think... I think James is a 50-point candidate on Christmas. I think he's a, a guy who can put up 50 on Christmas, and it'll be you know the first time we've probably seen that since, I don't know, the guy from the Knicks back in the day. Oh, Bernard King? Bernard King. I think he dropped a 50-ball on Christmas. I didn't realize it's been that long. That's, uh, that's surprising. I don't think it's been that long. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I feel like – that's the last guy that, that really did it, like 50 ball. But I'm sure someone probably did it in between. Well, I think James is going to get, like, I, I just I don't even think we've talked about this. I, I do believe, CJ, well, I don't think it'll be on Christmas, but I do believe James is going to break Kobe's record. I, I think he'll get to 82 at some point. Is that blasphemous? No, I don't think it's blasphemous at all. I think the biggest thing you have to think about is – pace, space, and his ability to knock down threes and get free throws. He had 60 in, what, three quarters yeah, already this yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's not out the realm of possibilities for him to score 80-plus points in the game. It's just about the minutes and if the game is close or not. All those things will play a factor. So you know how, like, as fans, we criticize James? At least some fans do. I, I, I appreciate what he does, but I even I, it's hard to watch him sometimes because – the way he's able to manipulate the system. He's a genius at it, but it's a very different way to watch basketball. I wonder when you're guarding him or when you're playing the Rockets, because he goes to the line so much and there's all these stoppages and all the little things and little tricks he does, is it harder to get into a rhythm as a player just as it is sometimes as a fan watching him? I think a lot of people neglect the fact that James is an amazing basketball player. First and foremost, I'll say that. James is an amazing basketball player. I think he has the antics. He generates fouls. He does a lot of stuff that people dislike about the game, but they're still forgetting the fact that he's an amazing basketball player. Regardless of the fouls on three-point shots, how he grabs people as he drives to the basket, and some of the ways in which he generates fouls, he has a unique skill set and amazing ability to not only score for himself but make players better around him. I think people are just mad with how he's mastered the game, honestly. And as the saying goes, you know you're doing something right when people find out ways to hate on you. You're talking about a guy who scored 50 points essentially in consecutive games, and it was like, it wasn't even a story. That's how good he is. He scored 50 points twice in a span of five days, and people didn't really talk about it. When you get to that point, you know you're elite, you know you're great. So regardless of what people think about him, I know there's a lot of people who are against the way he plays. They say it's bad for the game. He's cheating the game. He's manipulating the referees. The whole point in sport is to figure out ways to master the game, be as successful as possible, not only individually, but collectively as a team. And for him to generate fouls is good for not only himself, but it's good for his team because it makes them essentially impossible to guard once they go off the dribble. So I think the fact that he's been able to master the game is a credit to him. And I think a lot of people are just 
jealous, honestly. I think the Luka Doncic comparisons, the way Luka draws fouls at times, I think it's similar, not consistent because Luka hasn't been in the league as long. But Luka's great at getting fouled on three-pointers. Luka's great at using his body. He's great at drawing contact. But it's funny how they have similar games in a sense of playing ISO, playing one-on-one. It's flashy. It's fun. They still make their teammates better. But it's the perception of how they're both viewed in the public eye, and that's very interesting to me. Okay, two big things for me to follow on that. One, when you force a league, specifically one as stubborn as the NBA, when you force a league to change rules or think about circumventing the rules, as James did uh, and has done, as Shaq did, you're, you're great. You know how hard it is to admit, for the NBA to admit it needs to make a change? And, and that's how great uh, you are. Think about Will Chamberlain, uh, or I'm sorry, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't allowed to dunk in college. Like, that's how dominant these guys are. So that's one. Uh, secondly, the crazy part to me, you mentioned Luca, is he does something, he does some things that are identical to James, uh, but because he's from Europe, because he's bigger, uh, because he is maybe the newer flavor of the month, at this point, we're not criticizing him. Uh, he gets all the praise. He, he gets his, he gets as effusive a praise as anybody I've seen coming into the league, and he's great. But they play very similarly. They both change speeds and do it without being, you know, the, the craziest af- uh, athletes and craziest explosiveness. And they're also both great passers. That's the part that kills me when people when people hammer Harden. It's the fact that they don't realize what a great passer he is. I, I think he's as good a passer as there is in basketball. Yeah, I think. That gets lost in translation because he scores so well. People forget that he's averaged seven, eight, nine assists per game throughout a season in which he averaged over 30, and that's really hard to do. His ability to find the weak side, to throw lobs, and to manipulate a defense is, is unbelievable. He gets double teamed night in and night out. They run traps at him. They run doubles at him. And he still figures out a way to score 40 while making his teammates better. So I think that's an elite skill. And that was one of the most underrated aspects of James's game was his ability to manipulate a defense, not only for himself, but for others. Think about how often he's playing two-on-one or three-on-three-on-two basketball. Like he's, how does he, I don't, I mean, how does he do that? Like every night, it doesn't matter how you guard him. Uh, he's going to find himself in those positions. How how much of that is handle? How much of that is feel? Like, I mean, how how does he consistently get himself and teammates in the right position to score? I think it's both feel, experience, understanding of spacing, understanding of his skill set and how he can make people around him better. He's played the game for so long. He's elite, man. He can score and he shoots so many threes and is so good off the bounce that you have to respect him out to 35 feet. And when you have the defense out to 35 feet and you have shooters all the way around you, PJ Tucker's in the corner, no one's in the paint. Everyone is sped out, spread out and you have shooters to where it takes help longer to get to you. And when they do help, it's clear everyone's in their spots. You know someone's going to be shifting up or shaping down. You know you have a lob threat with Capella at the rim on the roll. And you know you can always score yourself. So he has all those options in mind every time. And it's just about him playing checkers and chess at that point. He knows that if the big steps up uh, at the defensive end, he can throw the lob. If the big doesn't step up, he knows he's either scoring for himself or hitting the rotating guy out the uh, right corner with his left hand. And he's a really good passer with that left hand driving left. He can throw the lob, no look, or he can hit the guy anywhere from the corner all the way up to the wing. I've seen you make that pass a lot, that, that left-handed like skip. 
You know, that, that, that's got to be one of the hardest hardest passes in basketball. Yeah, it definitely is a hard pass in basketball. You have to practice it. You have to be a threat to score, but you also have to read the defense. So there's a lot that goes through your mind as you're driving. You're thinking score first, and then you're thinking if he steps up, do I throw the lob or do I throw the rotation pass? But then the, the hard part for a lot of righties is driving left and throwing left. Driving left to throw right across your body is tougher because everyone's so athletic. They're moving. The guy you're passing to might be moving left or right out of the corner. So it gets difficult at times. But as the saying goes, you put the reps in, you put the time in, it becomes extremely easy at one point or another. 10,000 hour rule. I mean, Austin's not well. Does that apply to, uh, like, once you're in the NBA, in other words? I'm not just saying, because it's not just anybody can apply the 10,000 hour rule and get to the NBA. But once you're in the NBA and you do something for 10,000 hours, um, are you going to be great at it or at least really good? Or is that not necessarily the case? If you do something for 10,000 hours, you're for sure going to get good at it at some point. how good is just up to your skill level, but you'll be sufficient enough to be able to make certain plays or passes or shots just based off of confidence alone. When you know you've worked towards something, mentally you feel more comfortable doing it, the muscle memory is there, and you just have confidence. Like imagine you prepared for a game in terms of working out, you eating right, your conditioning, and you go play a game. Whereas imagine if you go out and party all night, you don't sleep, you're not hydrated, you haven't worked out, and you go play. Your mindset mentality is going to be different. Your body's going to feel different, which ultimately is going to affect your play. So I think it's a number of things, not just the placebo effect, but actual work that like releases a certain factor uh, to the membrane, to your mind, to where you feel more confident about yourself. And your body understands that, look, you've done this before thousands and thousands of times. So just now, it's just more muscle memory in your body just kind of reading and reacting to what's happening. I guess last week we talked about, uh, or two weeks ago, we we talked about um, the sidestep move and how Eric has gotten so proficient at it and how you'll do it in a game, but not quite quite as often because you haven't practiced it. You haven't practiced it enough to where you feel like you can do it at any point in the game. What, What would be the... Like, is there a certain amount of reps, makes, uh, et cetera, that you feel like with a new move or new shot or new pass that you can use in a game um, that you'll you'll have to have at least some foundation? Like, what would be the foundation to have it? I think the foundation is first figuring out, uh, can I get this move off in the game? Is it something that I need to add? Can I be successful doing it? And then the other part is just, Phase two, get reps. Like Before I do a left-hand floater in the game, I do left-hand floaters in practice. I look at all the angles. I figure out what I'm most comfortable doing, and then I translate it. So figuring out how you can get it off, when you should get it off, where you get it off at, and if you're comfortable, and then you just translate that to the game. I think that's what I've historically done. And I think everybody has a different process. But for me, it's like if I want to do a right to left crossover into a left to right crossover. For one, it's a reactive move. So your muscle memory kind of takes over. But for two, if you want your body to get used to like how how deep you have to bend the knees, what type of release point you have to, to hit to make it, you practice that. Maybe it's in slow motion first to fast motion to faster motion so that you can kind of speed up and figure out uh, like cruise control. What what what's my pace for this? Interesting. Yeah, I, I hear that because, I mean, it's not the same or anything like it. But like when I'm writing a story or even doing an interview, there are certain phrases 
and questions I won't ask unless I've prepped it and really understood the specifics of it beforehand, especially if it's like a live interview, a live tape, you know, where there's no opportunity to, uh, to make a mistake. So I, I hear what you're saying. Um, two last two things for me are emojis and food. Um, they're really cool New York times analysis of LeBron and his, uh, his, his Instagram game, specifically his emoji game. Uh, and he said, that's all me. It's right from my phone. Nobody has my password. Nobody's making posts for me or talking for me. I speak for myself. Um, he has, uh, let's see, he has 1172 emojis, um, in his feeds and stories. And, uh, his, his go-tos were fire and red hearts. I uh, also had quite a few crowns, uh, and also 54, 54 flex biceps. Um, TJ, for the sake of argument, what would your emoji stats be? Because I can tell you, I know what you, I know what your go-to's are uh, in text, but Instagram and and like I, you might have different ones in your in some of these threads you're on. So what do you like to use? Man, the crying face, praying hands, the eyes, the shrug. <laughs> yeah. The, ki- yep, the, one. the okay. kissy face. I use the uh, pink hearts, the two pink hearts. One's big one, one small one. Um, the wine emoji, upside down smile, the tea emoji. <laughs> I use a little bit of the hand, the hand gestures, a little bit like the fist, the a okay. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go to our text. <laughs> Let me go and see what I'll be saying. I, I mix it up depending on my mood. Yeah, because you're missing it. There's a couple. There's a couple oh, that the, you're missing. Okay. There's a couple, praying, not a lot, but there's a the couple. Praying hands and then the praise hands. Exactly. Yeah. Another one that you've done. The eggplant emoji. The eggplant emoji? Um, <laughs> and then, like, the money one. Whenever, if, it's, if it's, like, a wager, it's either money or, or, or wine. Uh, what about, who else does some, like, crazy emojis? Who uses crazy emojis? I've seen, I've seen our rookies use hearts. And we were like, bro, why are you posting hearts? And he's like, that's love. And we we're like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you younger generation kids? <laughs> <laughs> posting hearts and stuff in the, in the team chat. You know what's interesting? Have you, like when I was growing up and even now, when a guy's a really good shooter, I'll say, oh, that guy's got a great stroke. But some, some guys have told me, no, we don't, we don't use that word. Like it's, they don't like it. They don't like stroke. They like he's got a great jumper or he's wet, whatever. Yeah. Stroke is not part of the uh, vocabulary. Have you heard that? I have. I use jumper or he got a cannon or he's strapped or is wet. Interesting. Uh, a food. What about food? Last, uh, last order of business. Christmas food. I'm not sure what I'm going to do on Christmas. I told my family don't worry about coming because we have to fly out on Christmas to go to Utah and play on the 26th. So... Uh, I'll probably go crash at somebody's house or, I don't know, figure it out, you know, in that manner, in that way. But I love holiday meals. I love the holiday food. I love the options of soul food mixed with traditional holiday food. So definitely some types of a dessert. I definitely want collard greens. I definitely want mac and cheese. Basically, a lot of things I eat for Thanksgiving, I want for Christmas all over again because it's an excuse to eat it.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. We have to answer these questions or the fans are going to be very upset. So at canned, C-A-D-N underscore O-E-S-T, they ask about a four-point line. I'm going to answer first. I would not like to see a four-point line in the NBA um, for obvious reasons. I think the game, the way it's been played historically is the three-pointer. And the three-pointer is already a shot that changes the game. A lot of people have adapted towards it. A lot of teams are shooting it now, and I think that's enough and that we don't need a four-point line. Um, yeah, I, I would be with you there. The only thing I would say with the four-point line is uh, can we maybe test it out, like in G League games or uh, Summer League, something where we can get a sense of is there at least some part of the game or is there ever going to be a point for it? Because there are, there are like – you know, arguments to be made about a four-point line that, that would say, well, we could spread it out, spread the floor out even more, uh, especially in the playoffs, which obviously would never happen. But I'm just saying, in theory, it would be cool to test it out, just like we did with um, the half court, you know, making it from 10 seconds to 8 seconds. And it ended up being a good rule, I think. So I would, be, I would say no, but I wouldn't just shut it down completely. I like it. I like it. I think trying it in the D League or G League would be cool, but I don't, I don't know if we're ready for it. Next question. At Iron Mike 412 asks, CJ, why do you and Eric both wear number three? Well, Eric wore it first, and before Eric, Allen Iverson wore it, and Allen Iverson was our favorite player, and then D Wade wore it, and D Wade was also our favorite player. And when we were younger, it was also one of the smaller jerseys in T-ball and in our basketball leagues. And we were both really small. So I liked the way the three looked on my back. I liked it because it was like a statement number. Uh, to me, I felt like, you know, sometimes the elite players wear three or one. I wore seven in baseball because of Ken Griffey. So I've done like different numbers, Ken Griffey. I mean, uh, Kenny Lofton. So I've done different numbers just based on players I've liked and I've always been a fan of my brother so I wanted whatever number he wore and then I wanted it because Allen Iverson my brother and D Wade wore it yeah I know I know you said Iverson was the guy that gave you belief like he was the one player that you said well let me you know I'll look at him 
he is super small and fearless. So I could be, I could be like him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely it. I think AI, he's the staple, and and like like you said before, that goes along with the next question. If you could play with one NBA Hall of Famer, it'd be AI or Jordan. I think I'd go AI, Jordan, Magic, one of those guys. See, I'm I'm a little surprised. There's one guy on that list you didn't say, which would be Larry Bird. <sighs> I was just thinking from a perspective of like having another knockdown guy on the floor with you, and that you could get a ton of you get more assists, and you'd have probably more open looks. Right. You know what I mean? But but Bron, I mean, yeah. Oh, Bron's Bron? on the list too, for sure. Because obviously, I know how great he is, but how much of that is because of the shots that he can get you, which is you know, needless to say. Uh, you know, great looks every night. I think Bird could generate great looks. Bron could generate great looks. AI, just because of their offensive magnetic force that's around them when they're on the court, they have attention of everyone. Okay, well then, what 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 former, what retired big man like great center Will Kareem Shaq uh, would you love to have uh, played with? Because think about the pick and roll. Wilt Kareem, Shaq. Probably go Shaq just because he was such a force down there. His automatic double. You had to double team him. So I would go with Shaq. What about Elijah Wan? I like Elijah Wan too, but I think Shaq was just so dominant and forceful. You had to put two people on him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I want to get Shaq on the pod. He told me he'll definitely do it. Great dude. Um, and uh, I, I think he'd be awesome to have on, especially um, because uh, he's an actor. You're an actor. I think you guys could really vibe there. I think it would be super dope. Shaq's a, Shaq's a funny, funny man. So I got to get your uh, your Christmas wine. Any, anything uh, of note that you'll be uh, experimenting with? Because I know you recently delved into the cab world, which I was a little saddened by. My I did recently dive into the cab, but I'm never against a good Pinot. So you can always just keep that on the radar. You always keep a good Pinot on the radar, on the radar for me. As number three, I always said, cue the wine music, please. I had a Dumal Russian River Pinot, D-U-M-O-L, fantastic. I think it was like 68 or 70, which is, um, you know, you're starting to get up in that price range, but still uh, reasonable for the quality of Pinot. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's top 1% as you love to have, but it's certainly up there. So Dumal, D-U-M-O-L, and um, I heard you had a good one, CJ. Yes, as you said before, I've been cheating on Pinot for Cab, and I had the Peri de, de Familia <laughs> from Columbia Valley. It's a Cab, obviously, and it's pretty good. I liked it. It was a 2011. And like you said before, it's in that 70 price point range, depending on where you get it from, which is a little on the high side, depending on what your budget is. But for 2012, that's rated at 95 out of 100. I didn't mind it at all. It was among the top 1%. More bold than light, more tannic than smooth, more dry than sweet. A little bit of acid, so your mouth is definitely going to water. But it had the earthy taste, a little bit of chocolate, berries, things of that nature. It went really well with my oysters and steak. And it was one of my first blends from Washington. I've never really dipped into the Washington State often or ever. So I would recommend it, and I recommend you having it with pasta, beef, veal, or poultry. So basically, some type of meat. Well, you know, you know, us Washingtonians can make us some really good grapes. I'm really happy to hear that you've been uh, experimenting with uh, 
with the eastern state of uh, or eastern side of the state. That's where our grapes are grown. Right. And we don't mess around. Now we're not we're not we're not uh, Willamette Valley or Napa or Sonoma, but uh, Walla Walla. You know, we, we can do some things. So I'm thrilled to hear it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to have to open up the cellar and and get after it. But in the meantime, one more question from at L-O-S-H-I-O-N. Will CJ and Jordan ever run pickup together? I had to finish with this question because (laughs) why not? That's not a question, is it? (laughs) One day we will play pickup together. It will be hilarious. CJ, that means a lot to me that our our faithful listeners would even consider me in there. I I really appreciate that. One day we will play. We have to. It would be fun. Well, the the truth of the matter is for for those who who care about this sort of thing, uh, CJ has been ducking me for for years now. This guy. Uh, I would love, to, I would love to have a shooting contest. I really would. Uh, he he knows, he knows I can I can step out and and really get it going. I think the fear is, is real, um, and I'd be interested to see if we did play pickup, if he would want me on his squad or if he'd want to check me because uh, there's a lot of um, issues that could could happen. There. I think it just depends on. The time, where we're at in our lives, how old we are, all those things will be a factor. But we have to be teammates and play against each other at some point. Well, we want to wish all our listeners out there a happy, happy holiday season and a terrific new year. Continue to watch Blazer games, continue to support the Blazers. All those things are extremely important. Jordan, I hope you enjoy your time in Hawaii. Get some sunlight for me. I'm getting pale. I would love to have some sun, uh, have some henny coladas for me and whatever else they have to offer out there along with pinos and cabs. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, radio.com backslash pull up with CJ or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up in 2020.